Welcome to The Founder's Mentality, a startup podcast. My name is Josh Feedy. I will be your host on these shows. I've brought together some of my friends to discuss what it means to create a business, to take an idea and build your dreams. On this 15th episode of The Founder's Mentality, I'm sitting down with Kevin McCardle. Kevin is the co-founder of SureSwift Capital. They purchase profitable bootstrap SaaS-based companies. Kevin also brought Jack Stark. They're going to talk about the recent tech.mn acquisition. everybody. Welcome to the Founders Mentality. This is episode number 15, and I am joined by my old neighbors before I moved to the new uh, North Loop WeWork, uh, SureSwift Capital. I wanted to talk with SureSwift about a couple of things today that I think everybody will find very interesting. Um, number one, just kind of what the startup story was behind SureSwift Capital. Um, but the additional thing that I want to talk about today is uh, the tech.mn acquisition that happened very recently. There's a lot of uh, changes in the works uh, planned for what they're going to be doing with that, and I want to discuss that a little bit. Sitting next to me today, two guests. I have Jack and I have Kevin. Kevin's the uh, co-founder yep. of SureSwift Capital. So Kevin, why don't you do a real quick introduction and tell us about your background. So I uh, came up through corporate America. I worked for a very large software company, started in sales, then got into sales leadership and eventually moved into operations and general management of um, the big divisions of this company. And it was, you know, when I left, it was 20,000 people and 5 billion in revenue annually. Um, and so had a 15 year career at this company that was wonderful and I liked it a lot. And after 15 years, I was kind of done and ready to just do something different. And uh, fortunately, I ran into my co-founder, a guy named Don, who had this idea for a company he wanted to start. And the simple idea was, let's acquire profitable internet-based companies mm -hmm. and roll them up and help them grow and find economies of scale and managing a portfolio of companies instead of just one. Mm -hmm. um, so it fit, it was sort of uh, serendipitous timing with what I wanted to do with my life. I was ready to step off the corporate treadmill and try my own thing. Uh, it was an exciting opportunity, but also lower risk than your typical, you know, start with nothing and right. hope to grow a product, find product market fit. You know, we're acquiring successful businesses that somebody else has frankly done a lot of the hard work of product market fit and acquiring customers and yeah. building whatever the, the business is. Yeah. Um, so that fit with my sort of risk tolerance as well. And so that was four years ago. Uh, now four years in, we've acquired 32 businesses and have a team of 75 people around the world making them go. Wow, all right, there you go. You just answered a couple of my additional questions right in that, so. We need to work on your elevator pitch. We gotta okay. get that down Shorter. in a couple minutes. Shorter. No, no, I'm Got kidding, it. I'm just giving you a hard time. And anybody watching um, this on the video is seeing that Kevin was kind enough to wear one of the Sales Reach t-shirts, which uh, he's the first guest to do that. Really? So yeah, there's gotta be an award for that or something at this point. And yeah. I'm just thinking, God, I wore one of our new shirts so that we're it's not nice. twinsies. Yeah. Cause you know, it'd be cute and all, but you know, <laughs> we're, we gotta try to vary it up a little bit here. Yeah. Okay, so sitting across from you um, is Jack. And now Jack, I actually just met just for the first time upstairs. And Jack is uh, a part of SureSwift Capital now. Um, is it primarily because of the tech.mn merger? Is that where Jack kind of came into the situation? Yep, that's right. So we acquired tech.mn and it was being run, uh, for those that don't know, by a single 
founder, a single person. Yeah. And he was ready to go and do something else with his life, which is cool. That was yep. agreed upon in the in the transaction. So one of our my first jobs or our first jobs with SureSwift was to hire somebody who could pick up that work and carry it forward and yeah. um, also sort of assemble a team of other people, which we can talk about, yeah. to um, kind of take tech.mn into the future. So we hired Jack uh, as our community manager is the title that we we gave just because it's kind of a interesting business that, yeah. uh, you know, that felt like the right fit. And Jack's got a great background um, that combines things like sales and uh, events organization that yeah. she can talk yeah, about. Yeah, I want that. Jack, why don't you just, so we're gonna we're gonna jump around a little bit here because I'm gonna go back to Short, SureSwift as a company sure. itself as well. But before we do that, Jack, give us a little bit of a background on who you are and why you ended up with SureSwift at this time. Sure, yeah. So I've been in Minneapolis for about 10 years and I was first introduced to the tech scene. I was working for a tech startup in the Twin Cities, and I was doing a very similar role of community management. I'd go out and meet with different companies and organizations and show them our product and work with them to see how our platform could help them with their marketing and event campaigns. Um, and after that, I did some content and was really missing kind of that community part of my position, and so when SureSwift posted the role on tech.mn. I saw it and thought it'd be a good fit. And so here I am. I've been here for a couple weeks now and just getting our feet wet. It's great. I mean, tech.mn has been a very important part of the local startup uh, fabric for quite a while yeah. now. And so, um, and I've known you for quite a while now. I was super excited when I saw that acquisition. Um, and you did a great job. You did what you were supposed to. I had no idea you were doing this until it was <laughs> officially announced. Yeah. Um, so it caught me by just as much surprise as everybody else. I learned of it at the event at Best Buy. Um, yeah, Mini Bar. Mini Bar, yeah, where everybody learned about it. Yeah. Um, it. Very, very interesting. And I remember sending you a little message in the audience. You were sitting on the other side of the room. I said, Am I allowed to like ask you to get up and talk about this? Because I really want to oh. hear your side of this. And you're like, nope, this is Jeff's time. Jeff, show. let Jeff, let Jeff talk right yep. now. So it was very gracious of you. But um, so we'll come back to the tech portion. Yeah, let's go back to SureSwift because so this wasn't your idea. This was your co-founder's idea. Right. How did you guys come together? Where did this co-founding team come from? Uh, I wish I could tell you there was some magical story, but it's pretty boring. Our kids played soccer together and went to school together. Okay. And actually, our wives were friends before Don and I became friends. Okay. Yeah. Um, where it started to you know get into business conversations was a part of the story was you know so I had decided I probably wanted to do something different than my corporate life. Yeah. But I didn't know what that was, and I had met a doctor in the in Victoria, British Columbia, where I lived at the time. Mm -hmm who wanted to start a medical device company. Okay. And it sounded really interesting and a really good idea. And it was literally like a drawing on a napkin with yeah. no funding, no product, no nothing. Yeah. Um, so it was sounded cool, potentially high reward, but also high risk. Yeah. And in trying to figure out, so you and I now live in this space where we know a lot of people founding companies and mm -hmm. it's, it's the, the network is there to bounce ideas off of people. Yeah. At the time, I didn't know anybody who had started a company <laughs> except for this guy named Don. Right. So my wife actually encouraged me to, you know, take him to lunch, pick his brain, ask him about this medical device startup thing. Okay. Through those conversations, I realized 
the medical device thing was was cool and interesting, and it may some be, someday become a cool company, but yeah. super high risk. Yes. And in talking with Don and him learning more about my background, he said at some point, you know, I don't want to make your life more complicated than it already is <laughs> trying to make this decision, but I have this idea for a company that I want, have wanted to start for a year. Right. It fits perfectly with your background. Let's do this together. Had either of you owned your own business prior to this? He owns with other business partners several okay. successful software startups. Okay. So he knows what he's doing in the yep. how to start something in the technology space. Yeah. I had not. This was your first this time. This is my first time. Yeah. You know, I had always wanted to own my own business or start my own business, but yeah. never had the right idea. So, I mean, two things real quick. I mean, the number one reason that I even started this podcast was be exactly the point of what you just said. Uh, even today, it is hard finding your support group. And it's incredibly important to have that group of advisors or yeah. consultants or just thought leaders in the space um, of startup um, to get going. Mm -hmm. You just need to start. And mm -hmm. that's a scary thing for a lot of people to do. And so it was great that you were able to find that person. Yeah. The guest that I just had on, um, I haven't released the episode just yet because we're kind of recording these rapid fire right now, but it was Rally Registry. And we talked about their story of finding their co-founders and how important it was to make sure that they were aligned with the right people in mm -hmm. that instance. Um, I don't have a co-founder. I've yeah. never had a co-founder in any of the businesses I run. Um, I, I just prefer to work alone, but I hear a lot of people talking about the value in having a co-founder. Um, I just kind of leverage my team like yeah. a co-founder. Yeah. You know, I let my team hold me accountable for the things that I need to be doing. I think it's important to figure out who you are and what matters to you. Yeah. I'm, I'm lucky in that, you know, I have a co-founder, but he's very hands-off and he's there for advice and we, you know, any major decisions like an acquisition we make together. Yeah. But operating the business is mine to do. Yeah. Uh, but I have, you know, him as a, as a, a teammate, if I have questions or I'm not sure of a decision, mm -hmm. but like you, I also leverage my, my team yeah. and my network of people who have no stake in SureSwift. They just want us to succeed or they want right. me to succeed. And you know, there's, there's lots of different ways to do it. I, a lot of people will say you have to have a co-founder because nobody right. can do it alone. Right. I don't subscribe to that because any sort of blanket statement to me like that is a right. little bit ridiculous. Right. Um, and if you're a person who prefers to work alone and make all the decisions, then right. you don't need a co-founder. Just right. get, like you said, just go get started. As long as you're the kind of person that's willing to listen to other people, right? Sure. I, I think where the risk, um, I've had a handful of investors or potential investors that have not invested in my business because I'm a lone wolf, oh, right? Oh, really? Um, they, they only invest in companies that have a co-founder in the equation. So um, I think that's a little short-sighted and like, I you're agree. gonna miss opportunities if you have that simple rule that I, is I black absolutely and agree. But you know, that's fine. But I think that the, you really do have to look at it on a, on a case by case basis. I, I don't make decisions by myself. Mm -hmm. I don't, I make decisions by committee. And I think that the fear is that if you're a lone wolf, you're making decisions by yourself. Um, and I think that, you know, even if you are by yourself in a company, you need that sounding board, whatever it is. And so when people have great co-founders, it's always a good thing. It's, mm -hmm. I've, I've never seen a good co-founder situation go the wrong way. There's a plenty of ways for it to go wrong, right? So yeah. hopefully it never goes that road, right? Well, yeah. And the downside is you could be really excited or passionate about an idea yeah. together. Yeah with a co-founder yeah. and one may lose that passion or one may have life circumstances that mean they just, they don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. And then, I mean, that's just, that's true of any sort of partnership. And yeah. I think there is no, what I don't like is a one size fits all 
you you must do X, which yeah. it sounds like some of these potential investors have said. And sure, you know yeah. that's fine. Like they yeah. they can go invest in other companies, not yours. Absolutely, company. not going to break my heart. Yeah. All right. So a little off topic here. Whose uh, child was better at soccer? Um, no comment. Okay, that's fair. I'll let you get away with that one. <laughs> uh, had to put you on the spot and yeah. see what you'd say. Um, so uh, thirty six companies now you've acquired. Thirty two. Thirty two companies yeah. that you've acquired. This is a very interesting thing to me um, because I feel like this is a, a pretty unique uh, space that you're in. I don't mm-hmm. see a ton of people doing business the way that you're doing business. The way that you've structured your business is really impressive. You said 70, how many employees now? 75, I think, okay, around so the world. Okay, yeah. so talk a little bit about how you've kind of like orchestrated those employees So um, and what they do. Yeah, so th- we got to that number mainly through a lot through acquisition. So yeah. if there is a, a founder, a typical scenario, we like to buy bootstrapped SaaS businesses. And for mm-hmm. those that don't know, bootstrap just means you don't have venture capital or angel money. You build the company with your own funds or with customer revenue. Yeah. And those types of companies are usually built in a way that we love because they're lean, they're profitable, they are growing, but they don't have to have hyper growth to be, you know, the type of thing that we're interested in. Yeah. And so a, a very common scenario is it's a software developer who had an idea, they wrote some software, yeah. people started buying it, it grew, they got sick of answering support tickets on a Saturday, so they hired a customer support person or we like the term customer happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, and, they, and they keep growing and they get sick of writing all the code or they know they want to write more code than they're capable of and they can afford it. So they might hire a developer or two. Yeah. They might hire a marketing person at some point. And so there's these really wonderful companies, super successful, super profitable, yeah. being run by teams of three to five people who nobody's ever heard of. Right. Because they don't make tech crunch news or, you know, they're, they're not, you know, um, in, in the headlines of the local newspaper because they don't need to be to get customers. That's not part of their strategy. Right. So when we acquire those businesses, we typically ask the founder to stick around for a little while to help us transition, make sure we understand it, and we're gonna be successful carrying it forward. And we also hire their team. Yeah. Uh, so the way that we got to this remote first approach, not just remote is okay, but remote first. Mm-hmm. Jack and I happen to live in the Twin Cities because mm-hmm. the tech that I'm role has to be somebody in the Twin Cities. Yeah. But the rest of our businesses are run by people literally around the world, from yeah. Hungary to Tel Aviv to Portugal to Brazil. Um, and it's because when we, when I first launched the business, I was living in Victoria, British Columbia, and I knew I wasn't going to be living there forever. So right. I didn't want to build an office in that space yeah. just to leave and then have to go back and babysit that office. Right. Um, so when I started hiring, I didn't care where the people lived, I just wanted to hire the best people in the world for the particular job. Yeah. And when we acquire the businesses, we take on the, the teams that the founders have created, mm-hmm. um, and we assume that they're really good, smart people until proven otherwise, yeah. and almost without exception, the people have been great and they're still with us for yeah. all these acquisitions. Yep. Um, and so that has created this network of really talented people around the world, which yeah. has, um, so I kind of we kind of backed into that approach for, um, finding and maintaining talented people. Yeah. But now I would not do it any differently if I had it to do over again. Yeah. I think a remote first approach has so many benefits that outweigh any of the drawbacks of not being able to get everybody in a room at any given time. Okay, so Jack, get ready because this is my last question specific to SureSwift and then we are coming your direction. So anyone watching that's going, Josh is such a jerk. He has three people. (laughs) He's got three people in the room. He's only talking to one. I'm not talking to Jack. I'm getting there. I'm keeping the process flowing. 
What I'm always curious about with businesses is how people actually started them. So we've kind of heard the story of how you met your co-founder, your co-founder yeah. had the idea, but and you invest in bootstrap businesses. Did you also bootstrap the start of this business? How did you acquire that first acquisition? So we both had we we pooled our own capital. Mm -hmm. So me and Don pooled some money together mm -hmm. and that we had some money to make an acquisition. And the fortunate thing about our business is we bought our first business, so we uh, signed our partnership agreement July 4th of 2015, which oh. I call my Independence Day from corporate America. And by the end of July, we had bought a company that was profitable and making money every day. Yeah. So um, as we grew, we have now we now have five partners on the team who also contributed more capital. Mm -hmm. You know, along the way, you can, once you have a, a nice PL and a healthy balance sheet, banks yeah. are willing to loan you a little bit money, so that right. gives us some more runway. Yeah. Um, so I guess you could say we bootstrapped it because we didn't go seek investors, but sure. you know, people listening to this would probably be like, eh, I'm not sure about that, Kevin. Like, sure. you are your own investors, whatever. But, sure. All right. So nobody listening, no, no hurtful comments. Let's just let it be what it is. Send comments to Josh at <laughs> salesreach.io. There you go. <laughs> there you go. There you go. No, I love it. I mean, it's just, and, and, and the more businesses you acquire, you can just pull the revenue from all of them and just yep. show, you know, collective success. It makes it easier and easier to acquire the next business and the next business. Mm -hmm. It's going to be really exciting to see. I mean, you just celebrated an anniversary, I heard. Right. So congratulations. Um, it's going to really be exciting to see what happens in another five years. I mean, the size companies you're already acquiring are getting bigger and bigger every time. Um, well, not every time, right? Not I mean, sometimes time. You, yep. you're going with in between all different size businesses. So let's go to the most recent acquisition, or has there been one since Tech.mn? As of recording, this is our most recent, but okay. we've got another one coming in next week. Okay, so we've- I can't tell you We about won't it. talk about yeah. it yet. Okay, so the most recent acquisition, and mm -hmm. the reason Jack is here, and I think something that a lot of the listeners on the show are going to want to know about, because most of my audience is here in Minnesota, mm -hmm. Tech.mn. Yeah. What is, what is the plan with Tech.mn? How did those conversations even start? How much of this can you even talk about, I guess? But where did this come from? Well, I'll talk about whatever I can, but of course, some some of these things are between me yeah. and the, the, the founder seller and yep. not for publication. But um, those that know Tech.mn, it was started 10 years ago by two co-founders, mm -hmm. Mike and Jeff, mm -hmm. um, and they built a, a wonderful company yep. that the tech community loves. Um, and it's a, a great business. It's a job board, it's a calendar, it's a news site, uh, they host events. Yep. Um, and it's really like the, the one-stop shop if you're a technologist or somebody working in the tech business yep. in the Twin Cities, especially, but greater Minnesota and, you know, reaching into the, the region. Um, it's the place to go when you want to talk about something, like yes. if you want to promote sales reach or talk about a funding round yep. or to learn something or to promote your event. Like it's, it's, the, it's the nexus of the technology community in the state of Minnesota. Yep. And... Um, I had, those that know the story, this is public, Mike and Jeff parted ways. So Mike mm -hmm. decided he wanted to focus on his other business and not work on Tech.mn anymore. Yeah. That was uh, about six months ago, I think. Um, and I happened to have coffee with Mike shortly thereafter, just kind of catching up, because he and I have become friends since I moved here. Okay. Um, you know, didn't, didn't get any into any of the personal side of the story, because it's none of my business, but it just right. got me thinking, like, Businesses, just like people, businesses go through ups and downs and transitions. And yep. 
when a co-founding team um, splits, that's a that's a transition. You don't have to, have to know anything else about it. Yeah. Um, and I've always loved tech.mn. I started following it before I moved here just to try to get up to speed on what was going on. Yeah. I got to meet, Jeff was one of the first people I met. Yeah. Jeff, the, the original co-founder, was yeah. uh, one of the first people I met in the city. Yeah. And he was amazing and super helpful in connecting me to I think literally a dozen other people. He yeah. gave personal warm intros saying, Kevin's new to town, you should meet this person. Yeah. And it started me on a path that has been you know, great over the last two years of just feeling at home in this community, particularly yeah. the business and tech community. Yeah. So he and I had developed a friendship too. And I simply sent Jeff an email at some point saying, hey, if you're, and it was a little bit more wordy than this, but the punchline was, if you're ever interested in selling your business, <laughs> Call me because I'd be interested in buying it. Right. And um, shots fired. Well, yeah, it's very passive. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. I, I do that a lot with businesses that yeah. I, I like. You've never done that to me, but that's fine. Well, no, it's, when I'm you're kidding. a little bit bigger. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, so, you know, those that know Jeff would know it, that it was a, a conversation. You know, mm -hmm. he had some very pointed questions about, like, why do you want to buy it? Right. What is your plan for this business? Because he right. cares deeply about the community yeah. and the business yeah. and wanted to make sure that it wasn't, I wasn't going to shut it down or I don't know why I would do that. But right. he, you know, he wanted to make sure that our interests were aligned. Right. Um, and you know, through a couple conversations, it, it moved pretty quickly after that. And you mentioned the announcement right before Minibar. Yeah. That was not a coincidence. It's one right. of the biggest events in the community. Right. Caused a lot of buzz. So we yeah. published it the Friday night before the Saturday meeting. Yeah. Uh, got a lot of attention, all positive. I got a lot of, um, really cool emails from people, some that I knew well, like yourself, mm -hmm. some that I barely knew or had never met, right. saying, um, you know, we, we think this is good for the community yes. to have new investment in this platform, yeah. and um, how can I help? Yeah. Which has been really amazing and humbling, frankly, for you know, really smart, talented, important people in the community to yeah. say, I want to help, and um, so yeah, I'm excited to carry it forward with the help of Jack and the, the team that we're putting together. Yeah, no, I think it was the perfect time for it, honestly. And I think, um, you're, and you're totally right. How amazing is that to take something that's been around for so long, that's been important to so many people for so long, um, to have a changing of the guard and have it be celebrated and not feared, right? Yeah. That's, that's a huge thing, right? So it set you guys up on the right course right off the bat. So, all right, Jack, here we go. Welcome to, welcome to the team. Thank you have you. your new position at TechMN as part of SureSwift Capital. Your primary focus right now for TechMN, what can you talk about? What are you working on right now? Well, one of the things that we've talked a lot about is taking a step back and looking at, you know, how do we support the tech community mm -hmm. in Minnesota? I mean, mm -hmm. it's already there, um, but can we be a place for it to for people to rally around, mm -hmm. to kind of centralize it, people can come together, and can we provide value and then also push it forward? Yeah. How can we progress it? Um, and you know, Kevin's a little bit newer to the Twin Cities, and I'm newer to the tech scene, mm -hmm. and so I think our first step is going to be asking the community mm -hmm. what they want. So yeah. that's our first step. Yep, yep. So how are you right now gathering that input from the community about what they want to see? Yeah, um, we're going out and meeting with people who are not only leaders and founders in the community, but also technologists, okay. students, everybody in the ecosystem. Yeah, that's great. That's great. 
Um, and I know that you, uh, either one of you can take this one. I, I've seen a lot of announcements about open positions with uh, TechMN. Where, where is that at right now? Yeah, we, so one of the decisions I made pretty early on, partly because I'm new to the cities, yeah. I don't claim to be an expert. Yeah. Um, I'm not a technologist by background. I run a portfolio of software companies, mm -hmm. but I don't know how to code. Um, and for all those reasons, and just because when you have a community asset, yeah. life, and I think of tech.man as a community asset. Absolutely. Really quickly, I decided it needs to be for the community and by the community. Mm -hmm. And um, over the year, you know, 10 years is a long time for any business to exist, and it's gone through different sort of iterations and plans. Yeah. In the past, there have been a lot more guest contributors to yeah. tech.mn. Yeah. More recently, it was sort of um, sourcing and compiling tech news from other outlets and one main uh, original author, which was Jeff. Yeah. Um, so, I'm not an author, Jeff, or Jack's not an author, so um, we're opening the platform for people who want to contribute. Yeah. You want to write about being a um, software developer at Kipsu? Yep. Cool. Tell me about that experience. Love it. You are an executive who got hired into a fast-growing startup yep. from uh, Silicon Valley or Boston, and you want to talk about your experience moving to the Twin Cities? Yep. Awesome. We want to hear that story. Yeah. If you're a founder, one of the things I've said publicly is that if you're the founder of a software company, you shouldn't need anybody's permission to tell your story. Right. Um, yep. You know, the the most outlets, like the Business Journal or the Star Tribune, mm -hmm. they, they serve a great purpose. Mm -hmm. But if you want to tell your story as a, as a startup, yeah. they mainly care about a couple of things. Did you raise money? Are yeah. you hiring people? Yeah. Are you opening an office? Yeah. And while those are interesting, to some people, I guess. Yeah. That's not really what it means to grow a business. Yeah. And there's a thousand things that are interesting to people that have nothing to do with those three items. Yep. And I believe, because we are a platform and an, a community asset, yep. we should be a, an avenue and a venue for anybody trying to do something cool in technology to tell their story. Yeah. Um, and, and we're kind of just gonna planning to open it up and with some controls, of course, you know, we'll be editing and making sure that yeah. it's not just pure self-promotion and, right. and so forth. But right. um, we want to tell more of the, the stories of the Minnesota tech community. I absolutely love this. Um, the parallel that I, I can absolutely see. Um, so I, I love cycling. I used to be a huge cyclist before I decided to start my second business and ran out of time between yeah. kids and running a business. And then I gained 40 pounds. Um, <laughs> but I still watch the tour uh, when that's oh. happening. So I, I guess I still am in that space. But uh, there's, a, there's a guy, John Prawley. His website used to be probably not prob or pro probably not probably um, anyway, uh, but now he's the Radivist. And what the Radivist is all about is just promoting bike culture and just all the brands and all the things happening. And he has guest writers. Yeah. And it's incredible. It's become this incredibly popular resource. He's huge on Instagram and Twitter and I mean everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. It's just a huge thing. And I love that. The other reason I love that is because when you get an article written about you by a publication, I won't name any specific ones, but by a publication. The one thing that I've always missed is when is my opportunity to read this over before you hit the publish button? Mm, yeah. um, because too many times in my life, um, I have had something published where I have been completely being, uh, been taken out of context. Yeah. And um, when we're talking about raising money or customers that are using the product 
Um, specifically, maybe the, the difference in, in verbiage between uh, trialing a product or vetting a product, those are two totally different mm. words. And mm. when the editor uses the word trialing instead of vetted, it makes you look unethical. It makes you oh. look like you're maybe not uh, being honest with the story. There's no opportunities to edit that. Yeah. When you can write your own story and have your team look it over and put it out there, I love that idea. Um, well, and it also creates an opportunity for whether you're um, you want to hire a bunch of people, yeah, or you're just starting and you're looking for people to join you. Uh, you're looking for a co-founder. You're looking for investors. Uh, those are all important things that happen in business. And if you're spending your time trying to get in the door of one of these other um, publicists or journal journalists, mm -hmm. um, it, it's like a sliver and yeah. you might get a mention, yeah. but you're not going to be on the front page of the, the local newspaper. And even if you are, it's such a blip and then they're on to the next thing yeah. where, you know, our platform can be a place where your story can live yeah. and you can update it and you yeah. can tell people what's new with what's going on. Yeah. Um, and you don't have to be raising a bunch of money. Uh, I mentioned, you know, we love bootstrappers. Yeah. Those people don't make the news partly because they don't care and they don't need to, right? But, they're but partly because the, the the typical news uh, agency thinks their story is not interesting. Right? They're not raising money. They're not <laughs> right. opening an office. Right. They're not, you yeah. know, whatever. Yeah. They're not hiring a hundred people. Yeah. And I, you know, they're just running an amazing business. And what? Why isn't that something cool to talk about? And I yeah. think the more we tell the real stories of the tech community, yeah, um, in the person's own words, yeah. I think there's another there's another thing that I've been thinking about recently, and I, I don't know if you'll identify with this, Josh, but there's this notion that like the startup community is like the, uh, like it's cool and it's different and it's off to the side from what normal people do. Right. And um, while, while it's nice to think, oh, you're you're a startup founder, that's cool. Yeah. And well, yeah, that is cool. It's I, I think of it more like it's gutsy to start your own business. Yeah. But I also think there's value in in, in pivoting that to say it's just normal. Yeah. Normal people do these things. Yes. And in the Twin Cities, we have an amazing um, advantage in that there are, I think, 18 um, Fortune 500 companies yep. here in the Twin Cities. Yep. That's a lot of people yep. with a lot of talent yep. that could start their own business well, and create what value, create economic value for the community, hire people, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. And I know personally, I, I imagine you two do also, people that would like to be in this space, yeah. maybe because they think it's cool, but also because they think it's a fit for their personality and their talent. Right. But there's a little bit of a, a fear factor of like making the leap and starting yeah. one's own business. Yeah. And I think if we can reduce or eliminate that fear factor and make it feel normal and also make it okay to try it and not succeed. Yes then the world will be a better place and there will be more people launching businesses and creating economic value. Yep. Um, and, and in a way, I don't want founder to continue to be thought of as cool. Right. Or not even, it's not even just about the founders, like right. joining a startup when it's a little bit higher risk yes. because it may not survive. Yeah. That should go, I want that to evolve from being a cool thing to try or a risk to take to yeah. just be, this is what normal people do. Yeah. Step off your corporate treadmill, yeah. do this normal thing. Yeah. And if it doesn't work out, you can either step back onto the corporate treadmill or yeah. go do something else. Yeah. It doesn't have to be this like monumental risk everything, roll the dice thing. Right. Normalize entrepreneurship. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to make a shirt with that. It's mine. I own that now. Okay. <laughs> TM. I'll uh, get you one though. Um, <laughs> No, this has been great. So, Jack, uh, we're, we're at time. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to cut this off. But, Jack, what I want to hear from you before we're done with this one is 
What are you most excited about in your role in reshaping TechMN? It's kind of like what I said before is really getting the community together. Mm -hmm. I love when you go into a room and you have a group of people that just click and magic can be made and I feel like we can create more of these pockets in the Twin Cities so that business can thrive and new projects can expand. I love it. I love it. What's the big next thing for SureSwift Capital? Um, Big next thing for SureSwift Capital, what I can talk about is, um, you know, we, after four years, we've made a lot of mistakes and had some successes. We have a really outstanding team, not just Jack, but the 75 humans all over the world. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have a really well-defined playbook to where I feel each of our most recent acquisitions is the best acquisition. The one that we're closing next week, I fully expect will be the best one we've ever done in terms of the founder's experience and how they feel with the whole whole transition, our experience in picking up the business and carrying it forward. Um, So unlike some, you know, like there's no product to be launched, there's no pivot to be made, we are in a place that feels really good as an owner of a business or a founder where like, you know, there's no shortage of problems, there's always things to be fixed, but we're in a good spot and I just wanna keep doing what we've been doing so then in five years, you know, I don't put numbers on like how many companies we want in the portfolio or how much revenue, whatever. Like I firmly believe, and the other analogy I like to use is I'm not interested in, you know, the all-star game was just this weekend for baseball. I'm not interested in home runs or looking at grand slams. I believe good businesses are are built by going out on the mound and throwing a good pitch every day and throwing as many good pitches as you can. And so that's the mode we're in right now. Just throw good pitches, pick good businesses to acquire, hire amazingly talented people, treat them well, you know, do the disciplined things to make businesses successful, everything in the portfolio successful every day. And yeah. so, you know, that it, it may be a boring answer, but that's no. the, that's the, the business that I want is boring, stable, successful. Yeah, I love that. So anyone listening, uh, if you have uh, a successful SaaS company and you're considering, um, you know, turning that over, selling your business, I can vouch for Kevin personally, great guy. I've, I've known you for a handful of years now. Um, I trust you. You're a trusting person. I see the care that you give your business and um, the people who work around you. Um, so I would highly recommend if there's anyone listening and they just want to have that conversation to reach out to you. Um, also, I'm again, I'm really excited about this whole tech MN thing. I, I think that the changing of the guards, the new blood coming into this, infusing some new ideas and, and really driving it forward, I think it's absolutely nothing against the founding team at all. They had run that for many, many years. And when you run anything for many, many years, it's good to get new blood sometimes, mm-hmm. right? So I think they did the right thing. I think you did the right thing by, by, by taking that on. And I'm really excited to see what happens with that with both of you guys uh, behind the wheel on that. So that's it for today's episode. Thanks everybody uh, for listening. Um, this episode will actually be released after this new acquisition you can't talk about. So if you just listened to this episode and you're wondering, what is this business that Kevin's talking about? You can just look like in the news a week ago at this point and you'll see it there. Um, and I look forward to everybody joining us. Make sure that uh, if this is a show that you're finding value in, that you're telling your, your business partners, your friends, your family, whoever, so that I can help get the word out about what entrepreneurship is so that we can all help each other get to that next level together and be successful together. But thanks again for joining the Founders Mentality and I'll talk to you in two weeks. Bye. So what do you think? Pretty good, right? 
We have plenty of other episodes on our website at thefoundersmentality.com. And don't worry, you don't only have to listen to these episodes. If you prefer to watch a video, we do videotape every single episode and post them every other week on our website. Again, the web address is thefoundersmentality.com. This has been Josh Feedy. It's been an honor bringing this information and these guests to you, and I hope you continue listening. Don't forget to give us a share. Talk to you next time. Bye.